0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's time for Serralo Sports Talk with Joe
1: Serralo. All right, let's get this party started. Cyrallo's Sports Talk with me Joe Cyrallo for the next hour right here on Sports Map Radio. My man Lofa Tatupu, former All-Pro linebacker for the Seattle Seahawks, joining the show. Later on, we're going to dive into Russ's return. Lofa was at the game, of course, Lofa, part of the Seahawks coaching staff while Russ was the quarterback over there. He knows Russ well him, and some of Wilson's former teammates, former coaches were at that game together. So we're going to dive into it. But before I dive into it with Lofa, let's dive into the game and Nathaniel Hackett's absolute incompetence in his first game as a head coach in the National Football League. Because week one, I mean, there were so many storylines. You had the Bills' incredible out-of-the-gate performance opening night Thursday night at SoFi taking on the reigning champs, the Rams. You had madness between the Steelers and the Bengals. You had... Brady and Tampa Bay going to Dallas and Dak getting injured and the Cowboys just not having anything going for them on the offensive side of the ball. So many things happened in week one to talk about, but the way it ended, just Nathaniel Hackett with so many chances to either call the right play or manage the clock better and leave Seattle with a victory for Russ to leave his return to the home of the 12th man, victorious and on top, and Denver couldn't get the job Done. Now, look, before I start criticizing Nathaniel Hackett, because there's a lot of that coming, first, I want to give credit where it's due. Geno Smith had an incredible game. I mean, this is a guy who's been written off, people forget so easily. He's been in the league, what, eight, nine years, and he's been written off time after time as, you know, not a serious starting quarterback. Look, I'm not going to overreact to one game and say Geno's going to be a Pro Bowler, but at the same time, He earned our respect in this game. I mean, the way that he shifted around in the pocket, prolonging plays when his offensive line collapsed, just the accuracy both in the pocket and on the run. I mean, that one jump throw running towards the line of scrimmage where he hit Drizzly for the, for the touchdown. Geno Smith had a phenomenal game. He actually at moments looked like Russ, the way he was shifting around in the pocket. And when his offensive line let him down, prolonging plays and finding guys, him and DK hit it off. They had some big completions in the first half when Seattle was moving the ball well and scoring. Gino had a great game. The Seahawks had a great game. Forced a couple really, really clutch turnovers on the goal line. I mean, just everything that could have gone right for Seattle went right in this one. Pete Carroll, I thought, coached a tremendous game. This is a guy who... You know, don't forget, in the offseason, Carroll's one of the oldest coaches in the NFL, and Seattle seemingly going through this rebuilding phase in the offseason. There were question marks, what is Pete doing? Why is he still there? Is it time to retire? Does he really want to deal with, withstand a full year of either Drew Locke or Geno Smith at quarterback? Well, Carroll showed that he may be getting up there in age, but the game is not passing him by. He coached a phenomenal game. Hey, the Seahawks, alone in first place in the NFC West, the lone 1-0 team in what was a year ago, the best division in football. But now let's look at the Denver Broncos because Nathaniel Hackett has proven me right throughout one game in his career, after his NFL head coaching debut, he has proven me right that you or I could go to Green Bay, be the offensive coordinator, and enjoy success if you have Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams on your offense, right? You don't have to be a genius play caller, a genius game planner to enjoy success when you have Aaron Rodgers, probably a top 10 quarterback of all time, and Devontae Adams, probably a top three receiver in the NFL for the last three or four years on your roster. It's that simple. And I think that we see too often in the NFL, and I've called the league out and I've called teams out in the hiring process for this in recent years. I think in the NFL, all too often, we see guys get hired to be head coaches because they're offensive coordinators with terrific quarterbacks or terrific weapons. And it's not necessarily their game planning or their coaching savvy that has led to their team's success. Sometimes it's just flat out your personnel. And I think Nathaniel Hackett is a perfect example of a coach who, as an assistant, as a coordinator in Green Bay, had incredible personnel and enjoyed the success of it. Look at Ben McAdoo. When he went from Green Bay's quarterback coach to head coach of the New York Giants, McAdoo was one of the worst failed head coaching experiments ever. The guy was dreadful. Didn't know what the hell he was doing as head coach of the New York Giants. But oh, he was Aaron Rodgers' quarterback coach. That means nothing. Aaron Rodgers is his own quarterback coach. Rodgers doesn't need a quarterback coach. So I think Nathaniel Hackett... Really, you know, I mean, the guys calling plays out in Denver as a head coach, which is really tough, especially as a rookie head coach, as a first-year head coach. I think he showed that he might not have been fully prepared for what head coaching in the National Football League entails. I mean, his his play calling? Denver got down to the red zone four times. They were 0 for 4 in terms of scoring touchdowns in the red zone. 0 for 4. Twice they got down to the goal line, and they fumbled and coughed it up on almost identical plays with different running backs. Halfback draws out of the shotgun at the goal line. Like, what, what are you doing? Why are you out of the shotgun at the goal line? It just, it was awful play calling. His clock management was dreadful. If you were watching the Manning cast, Peyton Manning almost had a stroke on air. I mean, he's signaling for timeout for 40 seconds before the clock ultimately runs down before Denver's missed 63 or 64 yarder to, you know, seal their fate in that game. Uh, Peyton Manning's watching the game. He's going, all right, all right, timeout. All right, talk it over. All right, now would be a good time for a timeout. I I mean, essentially saying everything, but what the hell are you doing, Nathaniel Hackett? It it was like Peyton's G-rated way of saying, how incompetent are you? That was just one of the worst coaching displays I've ever seen. Look, again, and and there's a reason I wanted to start off giving credit to the Seahawks, you know, credit Gino for making the plays he had to make. Credit the defense for making some phenomenal plays. Denver left about 17 points on the table in this one. The Denver Broncos could have easily scored 31, 34 points and not only walked out of Seattle victorious, but walked out of Seattle with a rather lopsided victory. Uh, Seattle's offense did nothing in the second half. Denver should not only have won, they should have covered. But Nathaniel Hackett's incompetence and... and You know, I mean, look, obviously, I'm looking at things from a betting perspective. In fact, I didn't even need them minus the six and a half. I had them in a teaser. So you want to talk about really being sore about the whole thing. I had Denver minus one and a half. I just needed Hackett to get his play calling, to get his clock management together on that last drive and set McManus up for a reasonable field goal. Instead of a 64-yarder, maybe, I don't know, a 55-yarder. Still a deep one, but for McManus, God knows he's got the leg. I just needed a Denver two-point win. I would have had that, but forget that. I mean, it's, it's the two plays at the goal line, the two identical plays at the goal line that resulted in fumbles. It's just, I mean, the Denver Broncos left it on the table so many times. You know, in fact, Russ Wilson actually had a really, really good game. I mean, you want to talk about yardage. He threw for, what, 340? Had a couple, you know, Jerry Judy, I think on that last drive, dropped a first down. He was, he was wide open, uncontested, just missed the ball. And Judy had a couple nice catches, a couple nice plays, had that one touchdown, of course. But on that last drive in the fourth quarter, I mean, you know, Peyton and Eli said it on the Manning cast. It's like, that's that. those are the catches, those are the plays that get remembered. That's where receivers make their money. And, and Judy just, you know, he, he just dropped it wide open on a little out route. And, and Russ had that one to one of, I think, his backup tight ends in the corner of the end zone that the guy just couldn't get a foot down. I mean, the throw was absolutely on the money where only his guy could catch it. So Russ Wilson actually, despite a a bit of a slow start, rose to the occasion and showed up and had a really good game in his Bronco debut. But Nathaniel Hackett just took all the life out of Russ's Bronx debut. It was just, you know, someone looked like they were in a position they hadn't ever been in before. It wasn't Russ Wilson. It was Nathaniel Hackett. That was about as disastrous a head coaching debut as you could find. And then he comes out the day after the game, comes out yesterday, and says... Yeah, looking back on it, I probably should have gone for it on that fourth and five. You think? You really think you should have gone for it there, Sherlock? You got one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL of the past decade, and you elected for a 64-yard record-setting field goal. Yeah, no duh you should have gone for it fourth and five with Russell Wilson as your quarterback. I mean, it was just it was just sheer incompetence. There, there's no sugarcoating it. There's no way around it. Nathaniel Hackett, you know, maybe they'll recover. Don't forget, preseason, the Broncos were my pick to finish last place in the AFC West at 8-9 and nine or 9-8. Nine and eight. Maybe they'll recover, but this was an absolute gimme on their schedule, and Nathaniel Hackett absolutely blew it. When we come back, we're going to look at some of the other games from week one. We're going to look at week two also, so stick with me, Joe Sorallo. You're dialed into Sorallo Sports Talk. All right, back here on Serralo Sports Talk with me, Joe Serralo. You're locked in for the next hour right here on Sports Map Radio. And if you had any doubt about how competitive the AFC was going to be this year, or whether or not that conference was going to come out absolutely firing week one, definitely ease that doubt. Look, I mean, you know, I'm on the Buffalo Bills to win the Super Bowl. If they don't make it, I don't see how the Super Bowl champion this year for the first time in three years, doesn't come out of the AFC. There just seems to be absolutely no way that the Super Bowl champ is not an AFC team this year. You look at the Bills, I mean, what they did, opening night, Thursday night football, the season kickoff in LA, they obliterated the Rams. And and I'll take that L, I'll take it. You hand it to me, I'll take it. Because even though I've been all over the Bills for a couple months now to be the upcoming Super Bowl champs, I said the Rams were probably going to win and cover opening night. In fact, I was convicted that the Rams were going to win and cover opening night. I took them, took them money line, plus 120, took them plus the two and a half, loved them in that home opener. Teams uh, that had been reigning Super Bowl champs had won three of the last five and covered in their home openers. I just, you know, this Rams team, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, loved that connection. Biggest thing for me, too was Tredavious White being missing at cornerback for the Buffalo Bills. I mean, they started rookie cornerbacks. Kaier Elam, the first-round pick out of Florida. I think the kid's a stud, but Cooper Cup, I figured he's no match. And no disrespect to the Bills' safeties, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, I think it's the best safety duo in football. I didn't think they were going to cover Cooper Cup. Now, the Bills took Allen Robinson completely out of the game, which I did not foresee happening. And so that's why Cooper Cup, even though he went off, he had a great game over 100 yards, had a touchdown. That was literally the only offense the Rams produced. I'll tell you what I didn't see coming from Buffalo was seven sacks. And I just mentioned Jordan Poyer, one of their stud safeties. How about his spot yesterday on the Pat McAfee show where he said the Bills did not blitz once that entire game? I mean, my goodness. The Bills sent four-man pressure that whole entire game and had seven sacks. They were in the backfield nonstop. Von Miller, two sacks against the team he won a world championship with just about seven months ago. Now, that could tell you two things. A, this Bill's defense, specifically the front seven, we all know how good the secondary is when they're healthy, the two safeties, Trey White, but that front seven, a lot scarier than people thought, also a lot deeper than maybe people realized. I mean, you had Boogie Basham, The second-year guy out of Wake Forest, he had that great interception, right? You've got, obviously, uh, Gregory Rousseau out of Miami, Ed Oliver in the middle. That is a deep defensive line, that front seven, a lot more ferocious, I think, than people realized when the secondary had gotten a lot of credit a year ago for their defensive success. But the Rams' offensive line is a problem, and not the good kind. Not the same kind of problem, the Bills' defenses. That Rams' offensive line is scary. Losing Andrew Whitworth, I don't care if he was 40 years old or not, future Hall of Fame left tackle, that hurt a lot more than I think people realized. Losing Austin Corbett to Carolina, that left side of the Rams offensive line, I mean, the Bills were, were zooming by him all night long. It, it didn't even look competitive. So the Rams, even though they've got Stafford back, who, I mean, just had so many errant throws, uh, you know, that Rams offense might not be as scary as it was a year ago. Cooper Cup could do his thing, but we just saw Cooper Cup have a great game and the rest of the offense do absolutely nothing. I mean, if that's, that's the creme de la creme of the NFC, right? That, that's the best the NFC has to offer. The Rams and, you know, other people have been doubting them, but I've been saying the Tampa Bay Bucks. they had a great week one. They were the only team in the NFL to not allow a touchdown in week one. Right now, the NFC just doesn't look like it could hold a candle to the AFC. I mean, you look at the Kansas City Chiefs and their game with the Arizona Cardinals. I thought it would be a closely contested game. I mean, the Cardinals last year as underdogs were forget 6 and 0 against the spread. How about 6 and 0 outright when they were underdogs? <laughs> the Cardinals. This game was over from from the opening kickoff. Patrick Mahomes silencing the doubters, silencing the haters. He was absolutely incredible. That was vintage Patty Mahomes, what we saw out of Mahomes, five touchdowns, 390 yards on almost, I mean an immaculate date, he was 30 of 39, better than a 75% completion percentage, and how about when he targeted his top three targets, first off, he was almost perfect with Travis Kelsey, 8 of 9, 120 yards touchdown, to Juju, one of his new additions, 6 of 8, to Valdez Scantling four of four. I mean, to those three guys, Patty Mahomes was 18 of 21 with a touchdown. And I, I mean, he just, he, he was he was on all day. He was on all day. He didn't get touched. Now the offensive line from Kansas City, we saw it last year with some young guys, guys like Trey Smith, guys like Creed Humphrey, much improved from the injured, battered offensive line he had in the Super Bowl loss to Tampa Bay, where he had to run a record nearly 500 yards behind the line of scrimmage. So he's finally got some protection, but he was also shifty in the pocket, making throws on the run, just doing Patrick Mahomes-like things. He looked absolutely incredible. The Kansas City Chiefs are a team that, and by the way, the defense looked great too. I mean, they're a team that should be taken seriously. People were writing them off saying they're not even the best team in their division anymore. We've been there. We've heard that. The Chiefs are always Going to be relevant. It's why, as much as I love the Raiders coming into the year, I still wouldn't bet them. You know, I said the Raiders, in my opinion, were the second best team in that division. Maybe I'm wrong. They lost week one to the Chargers, but I wouldn't bet them even at tremendous odds, up to plus 700 in some books, to win the division. Because at the end of the day, even a year like last year where the Chiefs started so slow, they were what, three and four early in the year, two and three? At the end of the day, an Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes led team with or without Tyreek Hill is going to be standing alone at the top of the division when the season ends. The Chiefs, I mean, the Cardinals were no match. The Cardinals who, like I said, 6-0 last year straight up as underdogs. In the Kyler Murray era, 18-8-1 against the spread, they were six-point dogs. They couldn't come close to covering. Lost that game, what, 44-21, but scored 14 of their 21 in the fourth quarter, and that game was a no-no contest from the start the Kansas City Chiefs looked incredible how about the team who the Chiefs are playing tomorrow night by the way back-to-back weeks to start the year absolutely love the Thursday night matchup how about the Chargers I mean Justin Herbert he didn't put up Patrick Mahomes numbers week one but Justin Herbert looked pretty damn good and the way he spread the love I mean I don't think a Chargers receiver had 70 yards on the day but Herbert had 280 for three touchdowns, no picks, by the way, just like Mahomes, no interceptions, no turnovers. I mean, he just, whether it was Allen or Williams or that DeAndre Carter kid who came out of nowhere, I think he was the team's second leading receiver. Herbert was just on the money all day long. And I cannot wait to see these two teams face off on the first new Amazon Prime Thursday night football game, week two here tomorrow night in Kansas City. You know, you look at, the Mahomes Herbert head-to-head matchups, and they're two and two. The road team has won all four games. The Chargers have covered three. The only one that the Chiefs covered, I believe, was in overtime. The last time these two teams met, they won by six. They were three and a half point favorites, so they ended up that Travis Kelsey game-winning touchdown in overtime was how the Chiefs covered. But you know, at the end of four quarters, obviously they were tied, wouldn't have been a cover. So the Chargers have outperformed expectations in all four meetings with the Chiefs when they've been led by Justin Herbert. But a little bit of a monkey wrench thrown in this one. Keenan Allen looking unlikely to play on the short week. Got a bit of a hammy issue. So without Keenan Allen, I don't know how much how competitive the Chargers are going to be in this one. Now, on the bright side, this is the best LA Chargers defense that we've seen in a long time. Neither of these quarterbacks were touched week one. Patrick Mahomes not sacked once. Justin Herbert not sacked once by the Raiders. That's probably going to change this week, at least probably for Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Khalil Mack, welcome to Los Angeles. Khalil Mack, what a game he had in his Chargers debut against his old team, against the Raiders. Three sacks. He was an absolute madman. You know, you might have forgotten how good Khalil Mack was because he was in Chicago and the Bears have been so irrelevant for so long now, Khalil Mack is still an absolute force. I mean, he overshadows guys in that defense like Joey Bosa. You know, I mean, Bosa, he, he he's a probably top 10 edge rusher in this league, and he's not even the best pass rusher on his own team. I, I mean, the two of them, by the way, Bosa had a sack and a half. Derwin James, who finally got his payday, who is one of the best safeties in football, one of the most talented safeties in football, the only obstacle for him has been his ability to stay on the field. Derwin James had a sack. Derwin James had a pick. Just an absolutely tremendous game from Derwin James. This Chargers defense might be for real. And they've got a defensive-minded head coach. They've got Brandon Staley, the former Rams D coordinator. I mean, Asante Samuel Jr. had a great game. I don't even think he's a starting cornerback because they brought in J.C. Jackson in the offseason. Samuel's like their third guy. And he was a first first or a high second round pick. I mean, I think he's a stud. I loved him at Florida State. This Chargers defense is legit. If the Chargers are going to have a shot, if they're going to be competitive in this game without Keenan Allen on the offensive side of things, their defense is going to have to slow down Patrick Mahomes at Arrowhead in his home opener. It's going to be a really, really tough thing to do for the Chargers. So the Chiefs, four and a half point favorites in this one. The over-under, sitting at 54 and a half on the game. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Give me a little five-point teaser for better odds than a traditional six-point teaser. Two legs, a same-game teaser. I'm going with the Chiefs, teased down to plus a half point, so essentially Chiefs in a pick and the over teased down to 49 and a half, three games in a row, have gone over that 49 and a half number between these two teams, their last three meetings. So give me that two-leg, five-point teaser, Chiefs plus a half a point, and over forty-nine and a half. That's my play for this Thursday night game, week two. When we come back, my man Lofa Tatupu joins the show. We're gonna talk about his Seahawks and Russ's return to the home of the twelfth man. We're back here on Seralo Sports Talk. And joining the show up next, it's a friend of the program. He's a former all-pro linebacker for your first place Seattle Seahawks. He's also a co-host of the Take 12 pod right here on the Believe Network, which covers the first place Seattle Seahawks. It's my man, Lofa Tatupu. Lofa, how you doing, baby?
0: Joey C, man. I am man, after last night, I am great. <laughs> We're in first place, like you said. Uh, you know, it was kind of uh everybody lost so we were we were in first place without playing but then yeah. we solidified it with an actual win in our first game back against the broncos against russ it was absolutely wild brother
1: and, and i mean you know obviously not everyone who's listening to this right now can see you but for those watching uh, you got it you got to flex the shirt let's ride baby <laughs> let's ride <laughs> i love it i love it so, Lofa, I mentioned, you know, what we'll get to the game, and obviously you were there. So what that atmosphere was like, but I mentioned the Take 12 pod. You obviously co-host our terrific Seattle Seahawks pod on the network. And uh you had those shirts custom made, right? Those are your shirts, the Let's Ride shirts. But there was some controversy that came with those, man. So what's the deal with the shirts? Are they available now? Is Russ coming for you? What's going on?
0: <laughs> I don't I don't even know if it was Russ. I'd imagine, you know, it was some 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 very powerful people because uh when it went up on the site, some an article, uh, fan side released an article. And uh, I got all these text messages of people like, you know, like, oh, you know, uh, they just did an article on you. I was like, oh, what's the article? Because I had no idea. Because Brett Davern, my great co-host, he really came up with the idea for the shirt. So I want to give credit where credit's due. This is Brett's baby. And, uh, you know, he, he knocked it out the park. But um, it, was, uh, it was funny because all, all these orders started coming in. And then, And we put in an order for like 200 shirts to just give away as a promo for, you know, our our Take 12 podcast before the game. And then we get an email saying that our shirts are not being delivered. And we're like, wait a minute, because it was supposed to be delivered on the 10th. And then so we had to replace another order. And when we woke up in the morning, all of our merch was wiped off the store. Oh, wow. (laughs) And I was like, wait a minute, even just the regular Take 12 shirts were gone? So it was wild, man. I don't know who it was. Um, but yeah, it, it was just, you know, Brett, Brett was uh, on the optimistic side. He, he thought that we broke the internet. But um, <laughs> it turns out it was just, it got wiped. So who knows what happened? But we did put them, they're back up. And I think they're only up for today. So, so go uh, get them while you can. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, but it, it was just fun. We're going to come up with some more ideas uh, for t-shirts just because it's a fun way to get the, the podcast out there. And uh, Take 12 podcast on the Believe Network that, you know, the, part of the Believe family, man, love what they do for us and uh, grateful to be a part of them.
1: Well, look, I, I hope it wasn't Russ who got those taken down because whoever did, we're talking about someone who's Charmin soft right there. Those are amazing shirts. I, I love them, man.
0: I didn't think they were too bad, you know. Not at I'm, all.
1: Not a, I mean, look, Russ, Russ doing that whole let's ride thing. That's bad. That's, if you get made fun of it, it comes with the territory.
0: I mean, the whole country put, did the videos, you know. I, I'd say paying tribute to him because, you know, it, it took off, man. He, he crushed yeah. it with that one. And then, you know, and, and for the record, you know, we were not Russ fans last night. But we are forever Russ fans when he doesn't play the Seahawks. And I just want to put that out there. There is no bad blood there. Uh, hope, hope he has an MVP caliber season, which I'm pretty sure he will. I mean, he went off last night. Yeah. Uh, just didn't get the ball in the end zone. Some some red zone struggles, uh, and and that's why we came away with the win. Yes,
1: yeah, so let's talk about the game now. What was your reaction? Obviously, you know, like I mentioned before, you were there when Russ <laughs> ran out onto the field to all those boos from Seattle. We all know Seattle gets louder than any other stadium in the NFL. So, what were you thinking when that happened? Did that surprise you?
0: It well, it wasn't surprising to tell you the truth, just uh, because of the way everything you know happened between Russ and the Hawks. And, and and then the breakup, so to speak, but um, you know, it was loud, man. And then they had KJ Wright raising the flag, you know, the legend KJ Wright. But um, yeah, the reception, you know, I think I think Russ expected it, and it, it's it's kind of like when you have a superstar opposing point guard, and every time they touch the ball, the crowd's just booing, and that's what happened the whole way through, man. It was it was a play at playoff atmosphere um like i said i had turbo on robert turbin on the uh the podcast uh earlier today and you know he was like it felt like the energy was in the air like it used to be when he was playing and 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 i know i know that feeling of being on that field and the 12s just going absolutely nuts
1: yeah i mean it was you know just watching it from tv you could feel the atmosphere espn kept cutting to the uh the, the the meter that would read I guess the decibels for the noise in the crowd and it was just it, it was ridiculous the thing was constantly living in like the 98-99 range it was like you're watching a great baseball player pitch and you're looking at the uh the That's odometer awesome. right there tracking them. it was it, it was a loud stadium man. do you think or rather how much do you think that the atmosphere had to do with those two goal line fumbles because that game had several plays that the Broncos could have walked away with it
0: not just the fumbles, but I mean, yeah, those. The, I mean, the, the stadium erupted every time those things happened right on the goal line, um, a yard away. Man, it was it was insane. And, um, uh, Chenny did a great job on both of those plays, just getting in the way. One time, um, he caused the fumble, got his hand in there, and then uh, Diggs came up and laid just you know, the hit stick, you know, in the backfield. It was amazing. And Michael Jackson, young guy, he picked up both of those, so it was awesome just to see everybody contributing. Um, but yeah, man, uh, it was, it was, I couldn't, you couldn't even hear yourself think that's how loud it was down there. And uh, it played a role, but it really played a role in the uh, 11 penalties they had. Five of them were pre-snap. And I don't think anybody's talking about that enough today. That, that puts you behind um, the yardsticks in terms of, or where you want to be with your play calling. And so it makes it hard on the opposing offense coordinator on top, as well as the players.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you talk about how, how it makes life for the opposing O.C. In Denver's case, you've got Nathaniel Hackett, the new head coach, first-year head coach. He's the one calling the plays there, and he made some questionable calls. There were some timeouts he could have called. You know, there were times where even the Mannings called it out on the Manning cast, where Cortland Sutton's, like, waving his arms, like, what the hell? What, what are we running? He didn't know the play. I mean, you know, talk about that advantage for a defense when you're at home in Seattle and the opposing offense just they can't hear, can't think.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's what all these these elite quarterbacks like like the Mannings and Like Russell, they're so good because okay, they come out, they give a hard count, and then they see what you're in and they're like, Oh, I got the perfect play for this. You know, if they got the two high shell, they're gonna run the ball at you. If they got one one high, you know, cover three, they're like, oh, I'm gonna hit the seams. They know what to do and they can do it like in the matter of seconds. But when you can't hear and communicate that perfect play. Sometimes you have to go on a silent count, or you got to go with what your, you know, whatever first play was called, because you got guys waving their arms like, what, what are we doing? What, and that's not a good, you know, a good thing for an offense. And as a defense, man, you thrive off that energy, especially all the big hits that were laid. There was some man, Diggs, Barton, um, you know, Brooks. Everybody was laying the wood out there, man. It was it was beautiful, and it was like I said, vintage Seahawks. Pete Carroll, you know, and then like it felt like a playoff
1: game, man. It really did. So, so you mentioned Pete Carroll right there. and This is a guy who obviously, you know, you've got a great relationship with the college level, the pro level. You know, there were some rumors with Seattle, you know, seeming like they were in a rebuilding year after, you know, dealing Russ to Denver and then having the QB predicament or maybe what maybe what we thought was a predicament with Gino versus Drew Locke. There were some people saying, you know, why would Pete stay throughout this? He's already one of the older coaches in the league. You know, does he really need to stay around through a rebuild? He looked young and spry last night. What did you see out of Pete with the game plan and his energy on the sideline?
0: Yeah, I mean, he just keeps getting younger. (laughs) I think I've said it with you before. He's like the Benjamin Button of coaching, man. He just, every year he keeps, he seems like he's younger out there and and more energy. And so, but yeah, he was, you know, running up and down the sidelines, you know, fist pumping on those fumbles, you know, because turnovers are something that have always been part of his his or his program, whether it was college or now that he's got the organization the NFL, that you know we thrive off getting the turnovers. The Legion of Boom, man, how great they were at taking the ball away, and I think you know in a dogfight like that was last night, man, where it seemed like whoever ended up with the ball last would win, and you know looked like Russell was going to do the Russell thing. Um, you know, we came away with it because of those turnovers. And then the penalties were huge that piled on and it made a tough day, but they did march the ball up and down pretty, pretty well. I think they had about 450 yards of offense. That's a lot.
1: Yeah. But,
0: but um made the right play when we needed to. And then that, that's why they, you know, they came out with the victory. And then, you know, like you were talking about clock management. I mean, that's something that they really got to be thinking about. Now I know McManus has the leg, but I was seeing some stats, uh, you know, yeah. just watching, you know, sports uh, on ESPN today um Russell's something like 68% when he's fourth and five or less I mean so it's you know it's almost seven out of ten right but McManus who has the leg for like 65 66 yarders uh they line up for a 63 or 64 but he's only one of eight in his career of 60 plus yards so it was uh you know, obviously hindsight's 2020, 20, but it's really the, the clock management, which was most alarming, especially with a veteran quarterback like Russell. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, hacking on the sideline that, you know, this isn't this isn't the first time they've, they've done this uh, maybe together. Yeah. But I assume this coaching, and we're going to step in and, and, you know, call save the offense and, and call a timeout right there.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, it was let, let's not sugarcoat it. Right. It was terrible clock management on Nathaniel Hackett's part. And so, you know, I, I actually wanted to ask you, because when Hackett was hired, my take was. That to me, offensive coordinators get too much credit sometimes when they have elite quarterbacks. And I feel like you or I, well, I mean, you know football, so I feel like I could go to Green Bay and be a successful offensive coordinator (laughs) with Aaron Rodgers as my quarterback. Do you think for Hackett, like the moment might have been too big? He might not have been prepared for that.
0: Uh, yeah, you know, it, it comes with experience, right? But, you know, as a former coordinator or, you know, offensive coach, yeah, maybe you rely a little too much on the expertise of the player that, you know, hey, they know the drill. But it, it seemed to me like, I don't know if in the moment they weren't on the same page, you know, as, as, as a team, you know, because, yeah, some people not knowing what the play was at the line of scrimmage, others, you know, and then even Russ just Getting into the huddle, it was just like there was no sense of urgency. That you know, my assumption, I think everybody, even every NFL fan, was gonna be like, "Okay, we got two minutes. We got several, a couple timeouts. We're gonna go as fast as we can to get in a field goal. Race. Should we not? We'll try to get the ball back or pin them deep or you know something. Take a chance, but get down there." And and when they they the, the time blunder happened, and they had they took a timeout like last second, and then they sent the field goal out there. And then and then we were all scared because the first field goal missed. Yeah. But I mean, you're not supposed to be able to get that one off, and I think, you know, that's what Pete was thinking like They always do it. <laughs> they all, oh, you if that ball gets snapped and that ref isn't standing between that kicker, he's going to take that warm up ref. Yep. And I mean, they were both identical and and, and plenty of lag just thank God they weren't uh, you know, down the middle.
1: Yeah, exactly, man. Well, look, Hackett's going to learn sooner or later. You can't take those timeouts with you, man. He had three with 20 seconds left. That's going <laughs> to do you no- That's going to do nothing for you. Hey, the Take 12 pod has a trip coming up, right, Lofa? You're headed out to Germany in November to yeah. watch your first place Seattle Seahawks take on the only tied for first place, Tampa Bay Bucks. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that trip. Where can people come tag along with you? And you got some fun events going on out there. What's going on?
0: We have a list of events, four-star four hotel accommodations, uh, a bunch of legends going. K.J. Wright's going to be there. Me, Leroy Hill. Um, also, Matt McCoy, David Hawthorne, um, Sean Lockville Like, we have a lot. It's just going to be a nonstop party, and I'm then watching a football game. And uh, and then another party because there's an after-party after, party after <laughs> a football game. So bring your drinking shoes. Uh, we're we're going to have the boot over there, Das Boot. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so you can check it out at Lotha in Germany dot com uh i didn't i didn't make the decision to name the the website so i love it i love uh, it uh, uh go easy on me there but yeah loafing uh the take 12 uh podcast that's uh what we're putting on and it's just going to be man a flag football game uh a welcome dinner you know it's, it's going to be and then you know you get to watch tom brady battle uh, our first place hawks so, I mean, first place, first place, Seattle. Yeah, doesn't want to see that right now, right? So, yeah, it's going to be I, how many times are the Hawks in Germany? You know, I mean, they went to London once. This is probably the only time they'll go to Germany. You're not going to want to miss this.
1: It's going to be a good time. Definitely head to LoafaInGermany.com to be a part of that. Man, when I studied abroad in college, I should have made a website called joeinitaly.com. That could have been like my own personal Tinder for studying abroad. I mean, <laughs> I'm thinking <laughs> yeah. of all the different places you can go with this. It's just brilliant. Your name in a country. That's, that's great marketing right there. All, I
0: all those URLs, man.
1: <laughs> no <laughs> doubt. No doubt. Hey, before we wrap it up, real quick, around the rest of the NFL, obviously week one every year comes with a ton of overreactions. What was the biggest thing that stood out to you around the rest of the league?
0: I mean, it's the same way they always start. The Packers losing, you know, pretty badly. And yeah. for week one, I mean, I think the Saints almost shut them out at home last year or whatever it was. And, and then, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to come out with his relax statement you know everybody yeah. just relax and and that's the truth and then even with hawks you know now i mean we're in first place the whole division you know i think san fran they had a close game cardinals got blown out by the chiefs um you know there's a lot of optimism floating around seattle right now and i just hope you know they rein it in and they say hey man okay it's one game you know it's a long season to go and we have a tough divisional opponent at home uh, or on the road in their house uh when the niners coming up and you know, they're coming off an ugly loss. And uh, so they're going to be ready. And I think this will be a real test for us. Um, what other reactions we got out there? Can you think of any?
1: I mean, we had some Chargers Raiders action. That was, that was a pretty good game. Carr had some turnovers, still kept a minute late. Uh Bengals Steelers. You appreciate what the Steelers did defensively, right?
0: That was absolutely wild. I mean, yeah. So there's what, three, three missed kicks in that game. Um, yeah. There's, the Steelers are almost handing it away and then they clawed back in, you know, and fought and, and came away with the victory that was, you know, and Joe, you know, Burrow's not going to have it. What is he five intercept four or five interceptions. He's not going to have another day like that. And, but just true champion fashion when he got the, the ball with a minute to go, he drove him down or he got get down there and made the score. And, um, and then there was a missed extra point, right? It was just, yeah, it was a
1: bad snap. It was a high snap. The whole whole operation just didn't work out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, tremendous, you know, resolve and fight by, uh, by the Steelers, because there's, there's so many times that game where like, it was like, all right, well the Bengals got it now. Like it's, it's, there's, there's the win. And, uh, they, they found a way. Those are, that was Mitch's first
1: game, right? Trubisky? Yeah. And did you see Mitch with the video two weeks ago, the let's ride Steeler Nation? He did it. Oh, no, did he? <laughs> he did it. He did it.
0: I'm going to have to send him a shirt.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. I love it. Former Seahawks, or excuse me, former first place Seattle Seahawks all pro linebacker, Lofa tatupu man. Thanks so much for joining the show.
0: Joey, see you're
1: the man always, brother. We'll be right back with my final word right here on Serralo Sports Talk. All right, it's time for my final word here on this episode of Serralo Sports Talk with me, Joe Serralo. What an incredible spot right there with my guy, Lofa. As always, you know, this is the 80th episode of Serralo Sports Talk. Uh, This has to be Lofa's sixth or seventh time on already. My man never disappoints. One of the best people to talk about the Seahawks out there. Also, just one of the best human beings out there. Love Lofa. Make sure you check out, too. Didn't mention this during the interview. Check out Zone In CBD, his CBD company. It's an incredible product. I've used it a ton. It really is great. Helps you recover, helps you focus. Love Zone In CBD. Make sure you go check that out. And before I leave you with my final word here on this episode of Serralo Sports Talk, I'm going to leave you with a bet that I love for week two. Now, I may not have had a great week one betting wise in the NFL, but I did hit my lock of the week. And my lock of the week was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Jerry's World in Dallas minus two and a half. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are once again, two and a half point favorites at the New Orleans Saints. I'm not drinking that Kool-Aid. I'm not doing it again. I'm not making it my lock of the week. Tom Brady in the regular season against the Saints is 0-4, both straight up and against the spread. As a Tampa Bay Buck, got him in the playoffs. 0 and 4 in the regular season. Instead, I'm looking at a team that we didn't talk about on this episode, and I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers money line right now. It's plus 102. They are home dogs to Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. But forget Bill Belichick. The Steelers are home dogs to Mac jones and the new england patriots you all know if you listen to the show what i think of mac jones and it ain't much mac jones did nothing against the miami dolphins in week one put up seven points and the patriots lost 20 to 7 they lost their fourth straight to miami the first time in the bill belichick new england patriot era where they've lost four straight games to one opponent i don't care if tj watt's going to be out for the next six weeks or so The Pittsburgh Steelers are going to have Najee Harris. And Mitchell Trubisky, say whatever you want about him, is a better quarterback than Mac Jones. That defense is a whole lot more than just TJ Watt. They made Joe Burrow turn the ball over, what, five times? They're going to make Mac Jones turn the ball over six times. Give me the Steelers as home dogs to improve to 2-0 on the season, plus 102 money line. And just like that, this episode of Serralo Sports Talk is up. It's over. It's out of here. Special thanks to my man, Lofa, for joining the show. Special thanks to all of you. That does it for episode 80.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.